Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tinker Talks. Tinker Talks is the audio format podcast that discusses what's going on behind the fence line of one of the Air Force's largest Air Force bases. Today, we are continuing our conversation about coronavirus, COVID-19 to be specific. And uh, today, we're going to tackle a, a unique subject of, of one of the most important functions on it, actually not just to the Tinker Air Force Base or the Air Force, but to really to any organization, and that's uh, talking logistics. So today we are going to discuss um, what happens uh, before coronavirus and how uh, coronavirus has affected the logistics readiness squadron here at Tinker Air Force Base. And so today we do have joining with us uh, Brent Burgess. He is the director of the 72nd Air Base Wing Logistics Readiness Squadron. Squadron, uh, forever known from hereafter as LRS. So, uh, Gre- uh, Bre- I want to call you Greg because that's that's actually your name, but you go by Brent, correct? I, do, I go by Brent. Yeah, that's my middle name. <laughs> Sorry about uh, that. My, my my dad and I have the same first name, and he works out here as well. And so, uh, uh, I'm a good case study, and don't name your kid the same name as you, especially if you happen to work at the same place. Uh, <laughs> it's never-ending uh, forwarding emails and, and things of that nature. And I would have to say that that would be some really, really great foresight if you thought just prior to birth <laughs> and naming your child that we might right. be working at the same location. Right. So, um, I know when, when my children were born, that was the first thing I thought. Where are they going to work? And will that be an issue when it comes to email? Well, as you know, as a parent, uh, one of the things we strive for is to make sure that our kids are smarter than we were. So uh, your yeah. dad has obviously achieved this in this effort with you. So uh, right. <laughs> good good news, good thinking. Uh, and just so everybody knows, um, this is another episode where we are recording via telephone uh, due to COVID and us not uh, being able to get into the same room for a little while longer, I am at my house office, if you're going to call it that. It does have a desk and a door, so it's close enough, right? I just can't claim it on taxes. And uh, But you are in your office, so uh, I am. you are there <clears throat> fighting the good fight today, sir. So as yeah, we get... And it's actually, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it's actually kind of funny. I have actually been in office uh, most of this time but pretty much my entire squadron has not. And so it's been basically me in this building by myself. Uh, we're starting to phase people in now, but uh, I've kind of gotten used to the uh, the nice parking and just kind of having the building to myself here over the last few months. So it's going to be an adjustment as we, we start to uh, get back to uh, what we're calling returning to full capacity. That's true, the, the spoils. So before we jump <laughs> into LRS and uh, talking about the amazing things that your people are accomplishing uh, maybe you could just give our listeners the quick 200-word or less rundown about who you are and how you got to this position. Yeah, so uh, as you said, uh, I am the director of the Logistics Readiness Squadron here. Uh, have been the director for about two years. I actually was the operations manager for about four years prior to that, uh, which is analogous to like deputy director. Mm-hmm. Um, have been here at Tinker for about uh, to be 20 years this year. Um, and so really kind of came out here actually when I was still in high school was a aircraft sheet metal mechanic when I first came out here and, and I like to joke it, you know, started with a boy in a dream, uh, but, uh, kind of fell into it really. I had a friend who, uh, was in A&P school, which for anybody who doesn't know what that is, airframe and power plant, uh, school, which is typically what you would have to go to, to get a license to work on aircraft. And, 
And uh, he had kind of encouraged me to get into the program. And, uh, and so that wound up, uh, I wound up doing that. And that wound up turning into a job here. And uh, 20 years later, here I am. So uh, it's been great. I've enjoyed every job I've done here. I think working uh, on the floor, working in production, it definitely uh, may have not fully appreciated at the time. But I can definitely tell you that it, it gives a very unique perspective and an important perspective that in my experience, uh, not everyone has uh, uh, in some of the uh, uh, jobs that, uh, that I interact with folks uh, today. So. Right. That's pretty incredible. So I'm sure it, at some point you didn't figure that uh, the aircraft mechanic uh, sheet metal work would take you into logistics. No, I didn't really. You know, I did that for about seven or eight years, and I was going to school at the same time. So kind of, you know, I would get off work, and then I would change clothes and go to uh, school at night, and I did that for a lot of years. And um, and actually, eventually got picked up as an instructor, so I worked over in the force support squadron uh, for a while, and so that was kind of my first uh, job outside of production and then actually ended up going back to the complex later and doing some transformation strategic planning type stuff. But, but no, I mean, you know, 17 years old came to work out here, never thought that I would be, um, running a squadron or getting to work with, uh, uh folks that, that do all these awesome things day in and day out. You know, it wasn't, wasn't something I was thinking at the time. That's pretty incredible. And rumor has it that, uh, you have been voted best beard on the base. You know, <laughs> humility is my number one attribute, um, as I like to tell people. Um, but I have heard people say that, best beard I've ever seen. I, you know, honestly, I actually get really random comments on the beard. And a lot of comments. I was at Walmart, uh, you know, a year or so ago and checking out, and, and the lady was just like, you hey, know, that's a nice beard you got there. That's yeah. awesome. That's Hey, there are worse things to have, correct? That is true. Now, I haven't been as lucky on the top of my head, as you know, I am, I am bald. So thankfully I'm able to grow some facial hair. Hey, not, not a bad thing. So, uh, can you just go ahead and give us a little bit of background on what the logistics readiness squadron does, uh, especially prior to the COVID world that we live in now? Gotcha. Yeah. So here at, um, uh, the, uh, 72nd LRS, of course we are, uh, a squadron made up of about 250-ish people, um, and that actually spans military, civilian, and contractors. And contractors are actually our largest uh, group of folks. We have four contracts in the squadron, but kind of big picture, if I were just to kind of give you, you know, kind of a, a bumper play to that, it would just be, you know, we provide logistics support to the warfighter. And when I say that, we're saying base supply, we're talking about transportation, readiness, fuels, traffic management, uh, precision measuring equipment, things of that nature. Uh, so if you see vehicles going around on the base that have government tags, if you see uh, refueling vehicles going around the base, if you see ve- uh, aircraft that are getting refueled or defueled, um, that's all us, right? So right. we do that for, for, um, for five match comps. Uh, we do it for the Navy. We do it uh, on behalf of the AFSC. So, so it's a big mission. Uh, when we talk household goods, not only are we doing tinker proper, but we're doing uh, the region, right? So we're doing movements to and from uh, the base. So if military members, you know, you PCS in, you PCS out, um, we're handling that for a large region and it crosses services. We're not just doing it for the Air Force. Um, so, so, so a big mission that goes on with a small group of people, but a phenomenal group of people. Uh, working day in and day out to make that happen. 
Wow, that is a lot. And so, so when I said in the beginning that uh, is one of the most important um, pieces of any organization, I mean, logistics, just, just listening to everything you just described that you guys handle, uh, I mean, would you say it's, do you guys touch basically every organization on the base in some way or form, even the reserves? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, especially when we talk vehicles, we talk fuel, we talk household good movements, supply, um, yeah, that that's not just an air base wing thing. That's not just an air force thing. It's not just a uh, active duty thing. Um, yeah, it, it's holistic. When we talk big A airmen, I mean, we touch we touch all of those all across the installation. Wow. And so, you guys, that's a whole lot of. I mean, we're talking touching, and there's obviously a lot to do um, with your squadron. You also run the. Is it the airlift? Is, we don't have. Do we have Mac flights here at Tinker? I know there's a there's a. Yeah. Some flights, it's not really extremely busy, but we do some airlift stuff, correct, right, for passengers? Yeah, correct. Yeah, we do have a PAX terminal, and we do have what they call Space A flights that do come in uh, occasionally. It's it's definitely not uh, a huge business, but we do have them in and out occasionally. And uh, so, yeah, that is a, a function that we perform here. Man, so you guys, yeah, you are involved. And are they still called MAC flights? Well, Mac is kind of an old term. I guess it would be uh, AMC now, but we still refer to the, the like the Mac ramp. We'll still call it the Mac ramp, even though Mac hasn't been around for a long time. Right. Well, that's, uh, when I was yeah, uh, growing up, that was you know three thousand years ago. That's what we called it, Mac Mac flights. Yeah, and we still do. We still do. Well, it's good to know um, we haven't so. lost all of the uh, <laughs> the old terms. <laughs> so, right. How much of your squadron was able to to telework when this pandemic hits? And obviously, you guys do an awful lot of hands-on and togetherness in in your unit. So, how much? Uh, and you don't have to break it down specific by um, percentages or numbers, but w- was a good deal of your squadron able to start teleworking? Yeah, actually, thankfully, yes. Um, and I can tell you that again, going back to the kind of foresight thing, um, this wasn't something that. Um, we did uh, thinking, hey, someday there may be a pandemic that this will be helpful uh, uh, during. But uh, three or four years ago, we actually went 100% laptop in our squadron, right? So we, we moved away totally from the desktop, and we rolled uh, laptops out across uh, the entire squadron. Again, at the time, it was not only to enable telework, uh, but it was also for uh, you know any type of uh, coop activity if you have to do any type of uh, you know, relocating due to some type of uh, event that would happen. So when we uh, fast forward to the uh, the COVID, uh, um, that I guess you know now we're going on what three or four months of this. Uh, we again didn't think at the time, hey, let's do this so we'll be ready. But in doing so, we just happened to have been uh, pretty able to to you know almost do telework. I would say with a, almost 100 percent of our folks. So prior to this. Um, most everyone was situationally able to telework, right? Right. Um, not everyone chose to do so. Um, we definitely left it up to the individuals. If their position was one in which telework was, uh, was something that could be done, then we would also say, hey, you know, if you'd like to do so, and I'm not going to force you to do it. Um, so I'd say prior to this, we probably had about 50% of our civilians doing so. Okay. And then, of course, over the last few months, we've gone to – uh, I would say about 90% of our civilians and military teleworking full-time. We have some that, that continued to come into the office uh, occasionally. And uh, and if those folks were in the same office, of course, trying to 
manage that so we don't have a whole bunch of folks in the office at the same time. Um, with our uh, contractors, uh, some of those uh, positions are simply not able to telework. So, you know, we talk about uh, transportation. We do all of the ground trans. So if you see, you know, the base shuttle going around, if you see buses coming to pick up or drop off air crew, that's us. But we also do all the maintenance, right, on those vehicles. And so uh, as you could probably uh, imagine, you it's, it's very difficult to do uh, any type of maintenance, whether it be aircraft or vehicle maintenance, uh, you know, from your home teleworking, right? Right. And so some areas we simply weren't able to do that. So we had to look at, okay, we're going to, we're going to try to socially distance as much as we can. We're going to make sure the folks uh, that are working those areas have masks, have gloves, have all the PPE they need. We're going to make sure that we double down on cleaning. Uh, but as far as the folks that could telework, yeah, um, we are just now transitioning out of almost the entire squadron uh, teleworking on, if not a full-time basis, at least a reoccurring basis. Wow, that's pretty incredible. And so how difficult has it been for your guys that or the people that do have to actually go in, uh, say uh, the pallet builders or, or whatever other types of things that you do there, how difficult was it to come up with this very quick transition from we're standing on top of each other to all the distancing practices and face masks and, and things of that nature? Right. Normally, I would say that would be very difficult, and it still was, but I will say that the stop movement um, somewhat made that um, uh, a little bit easier. And so, you know, when we when there was a stop movement that came down that basically said, hey, you know, we're not PCSing people in, we're not PCSing people out. Uh, and as far as, you know, people who are deploying or redeploying, you know, we, we put uh, a stop on a lot of that. So in turn, that's going to decrease a lot of my customer traffic in my personal property office, in my travel office. Uh, you know, you talked about pallet builders, you know, so less cargo coming in or going out, right? right. And so due to that, uh, it made that a little bit easier to do. And so our military folks, you know, we basically just said, look, if we're not working a mission, then I want you guys teleworking, right? We're only going to come in if we absolutely need to come in and actually, you know, like you said, do some pallet buildup, things of that nature. And when we do so, we're going to make sure we have the PPE so that if we can't maintain six feet distance, which is difficult to do when you're doing work like that, uh, that we're able to do it in a safe manner. Right. Uh, now I'll say, you know, I talked about we have four contracts, so I have a lot of uh, contract oversight, right? And so that becomes somewhat difficult. Um, there's a lot of things we look at from a uh, contracting officer representative uh, point of view that, that is administrative in nature, and you could probably do a lot of those inspections from your home, right, virtually, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of the way we've trended just in general in the Air Force, right, doing a lot of inspections virtually. Uh, but there are some that you can't. You have to do those on site. And so uh, those things have to continue to happen. We can't just say, hey, we're not, we're not going to uh, surveil the contract during this time. And so that's where our QA manager and our cores had to kind of really sit down and go, okay, here's how we're going to accomplish this for the on-site visits. We're going to minimize uh, the number of personnel we bring out to do that. We're going to make sure that we um, socially distance when we're doing so. And so a lot of it was just kind of thinking outside the box, you know, how would we do this? Uh, how can we make sure that we keep people safe at the same time that we're also making sure that we're getting everything done that we need to get done? Right. So um, now we're phasing back in, mm -hmm. right? And so in the latter part of May, we started going to about two days a week uh, in the office. And now this is the first of June. We're starting in June going back to three days. And the goal being, um, as we continue to see the data trend in the right direction, that 
uh, we will continue that all the way back to um, as, as close to normal as we can get. And so for us, that was always having people telework in some capacity. Right. Um, again, where we can't distance, you know, uh, we're going to have masks, especially common areas. We share this building, the, our main building here with a lot of folks. And so just, you know, looking at how are we going to do that as we phase people back in. Right. And so when you guys first started this process, because, I mean, obviously the, the military uh, is big on planning and we have a lot of plans already in place, but uh, nothing quite, I think, quite specific to what we did here. So did you have t- a team of people in your squadron sit down and start to look at what the reality is of how you make six feet apart and wearing face masks work? We did, yeah. I mean, really got the leadership team together. So our flight chiefs, I got our section chiefs together, uh, and looking at, you know, what is what is that going to look like? What are some steps we can take? Um, CE here at uh, the airbase wing uh, actually uh, really leaned forward and said, "Hey, put work orders in if you guys want to get uh, some plexiglass put up in your customer service areas." So we leaned forward and did that. So. As we are returning to having customers in the office, if you go into our personal property office, if you go into our travel office, you're going to see uh, plexiglass shields, very similar to what you may have seen if you've been out and about in uh, gas stations or department stores. Right. And so um, that's been awesome, uh, We, especially in our customer service areas where we're going to have people uh, coming and going, having that layer of protection, uh, again, looking at making sure that uh, we're distanced as much as possible. In some of our areas where, you know, we have a lot of cubicles that are close together, as we phase back in, looking at trying to have people telework on alternate days. So I don't literally have all of my folks here in the office on the same day. I have maybe one or two uh, that will allow us to have enough distance. Uh, Hallways become problematic, right? You're Uh walking past people in hallways, so we're having to look at maybe one-way hallways, um, and also, again, utilizing uh, the mask when appropriate. Right. Yeah, and that's a, a thing in our office, too, is that uh, if you're coming out of your – and now we're we're about the same as you guys. We're running like 50% of the crew rotating telework schedules. Um, but if you come out of your office and you've got to get into the hallway, you've got a mask with you j- just in case – um, do you mm-hmm. for, do you foresee the the future like you talk about putting up the plexiglass in your uh, customer service areas? Is that something you guys are going to maintain as a permanent situation, or are you going to pull those down someday? Are yeah, you have I you mean, even I talked def- about it? You know, we really haven't even talked about it, but I, I definitely don't foresee doing uh, any changes to that in the near term. And the near term, really meaning throughout the rest of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to me, this this is going to be kind of a new normal uh, for a while. Right. And so, um, yeah, no, I, I think I think we'll have them for a while. I think we'll, the masks will be here for a while, which is I know we'll talk about this a little bit later. But you know, when you talk about procuring seventy thousand cloth masks, you think, oh my gosh, that's a lot of masks. But <laughs> but the the, the the thought being that uh, this isn't something that's going to be kind of just one and done. You know, right. uh, there's going to be some type of safety measure that's going to need to be in place over the long term, whether we're in uh, Charlie or we're, you know, Bravo Alpha, this is going to be the new normal for quite a while. And so um, we wanted to uh, kind of take a long-term approach when we looked at trying to order a lot of that PPE. Right. Good thinking. And so, so workers there, I'm sure kind of like anywhere, um, are kind of afraid of the unknown. 
So how were you guys able to, or how were you able to help your team through their fears and stay focused and positive, especially, you know, we're talking about several months now that we've been doing this uh, with really still no quite clear uh, realization of what it is that we're dealing with or where it's going. So how were you able to keep everybody focused and positive to keep performing an extremely vital mission? Yeah, you know, it, it is unprecedented. Um, you know, I remember just sitting around sometimes thinking, man, this is, it's just so strange. It felt like, and it has felt like the, uh, the never ending snow day is kind of what, what I referred to it as, you know, it's, right. it's like, we're kind of in this posture as if, uh, you know, as it, like we would be if we had a snow day yet you go outside and it's beautiful outside and, and, uh, and it just seems so, so strange, but I can tell you what the way I have tried to approach this and, and I've talked with my leadership team and, and the leadership team has approached this is that you, you really can't communicate too much. Right? I think that, you know, you talked about fears, uh, staying positive. I think that's much easier to do when you feel like you are getting the information you need to be in the loop about what's going on, right? If, if you're in a situation in which you don't know what's going on, you're not getting any information, I think that breeds uh, the fear and the, the maybe going negative. And so I really have made an effort to communicate uh, more than I ever have in the past, especially um, now that I'm not seeing people on a day in and day, uh, day out basis, right? So, right. you know, normally everybody comes to work, you see everyone, hey, how you doing? How was the weekend? You know, you got big plans tonight, things of that nature. Uh, can't do that as much, right? So I have to be more intentional with shooting emails out to folks, to picking up the phone, right, which is um, maybe not something we usually go to, you know, um, uh, but picking up the phone and just and, and just saying, hey, you know, what's going on? How are you doing? And I'm, so I've, I've really stressed that with our leadership team is like, hey, make sure every day that you're reaching out to somebody and just saying, hey, how are things going, right? right. Um, sharing info that, uh, that we get from you know, Colonel Filchek, which comes down from AFMC, AFSC, AFMC, you know, making sure that we're keeping folks in the loop. And so, you know, we get a daily update on uh, COVID from the med group. So I make sure I share that information with my leadership team. And in turn, they share it with their folks so that everybody knows, hey, you know, here, here's here's where we're at. Here's the current information. Right. Um, you know, and again, we didn't do this intentionally, but it just kind of ha- happened to work out. Uh, during this time is that, uh, you know, for the last few years, we have rotated where we do staff meetings. And so I'm not a big fan of just every week doing a staff meeting in the same room. So I said, hey, uh, every week I want to go out to a different building in our squadron and we'll do staff meeting there, you know, and so I can get out and actually see people. And and when we do a lot of walk the wall type stuff, I'm getting to actually see the processes that are going on. Well, uh, we, we transitioned a bit the beginning of this year to uh, still going out to the areas, but not actually having everyone join us there. We allowed people to actually call in via, you know, a DCO, and we could pull the charts up there. We could have a call in. And so we did that, and then two months later, that was kind of the new normal, right? Right. And so in light of that, we I wanted to look at opportunities to try to make sure that we broadened the attendance of some of those meetings. So in the past, maybe staff meeting primarily just had, you know, my, my flight chiefs, my section chiefs. I just put it out there and said, you know what, if anybody in the squadron wants to call in the staff meeting, you can do so. Right. So again, just trying to increase, 
opportunities to share information with folks. Uh, I already said, you know, equipping everybody with PPE, um, making sure that we reach out and touch folks, uh, especially people that have been um, teleworking for long periods of time. You know, as we're phasing back in now, there's people that I haven't seen in a couple of months, you right. know, and it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. wow, <laughs> you know, and, it, and, uh, and it's been nice. I've really missed that. That is a big piece. I'm a huge advocate of telework. I'm a huge advocate of virtual meetings. I'm a huge advocate of no meetings. Um, but, uh, but, but I think that we have to balance that, right? Because yeah. I, there's, there's the human element of liking to be together, liking to, uh, have camaraderie, being able to hang out, talk to each other. And, and that's something I know Colonel Filchek is really stressed too, is that you, know, you got to find that balance. You know, we, we again, we want to maximize telework, but we also want to make sure that we're staying in touch with folks and that we still have um, some cohesion. And I can tell you, especially probably the April timeframe, you know, it, it felt like, man, you know, um, this is not, this is not the way that we really like to operate. And, and in fact, we, we got a new, uh, flight chief right around that time. And, and I remember talking to her and, and you know, she said, you know, I, I just don't feel like I'm, I'm leading anybody. <laughs> and right. I said, I said, I, I got it. You know, I mean, it, it, you, you joined us at, at such a strange time, you know, you can you come to the squadron and Hey, welcome to the squadron and nobody's here and you're brand new. And, you know, and it, and, and it's, it just is the situation in which we find ourselves. And so, that can definitely take a toll on morale, right. you know, no, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, and so that's something I'm very cognizant of as well is just trying to make sure that, that people don't get down or feel like, man, what, do, you know, what are we doing or when is this going to end? And well, I, th- I and, think uh, we've seen some tremendous leadership across the board as this, as this kind of plays out. Um, and you talk about Colonel Phil check and, and uh, general Kirkland all the way down um, the leadership has really has really come to the forefront, uh, and not and it's not to say that the everybody involved here weren't great leaders before, but the dynamic shift in the way we do day to day functions and that leadership, and especially communication, like you talk about, the communication has increased, um, but that I think that's a that's a critical element in leadership and how you try to keep your people cohesive. And I think we've discovered something interesting about ourselves probably as a as a society is that in this day and age of everybody staring down at a cell phone, I think maybe we've discovered that we're really more into personal relationships than we might have thought. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. Um I think that um yeah, a lot of us maybe have not realized that um prior to and then suddenly when you find yourself in a situation where you know, you're staying home most of the time, you you know, you're teleworking most of the time, or if you do come to work, maybe you're one of very few in the office. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, there's, there's tons of information and data out there that, that back that up. I mean, we are social creatures. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that has been really, really difficult. So it's nice uh, now that we're starting to phase in that we're returning to some of that. Right. Uh, and I'm, see folks again and so and i and i i can tell that i think with our folks they're, they're feeling better about it as well right good good and so word on the street has it that you played a pretty critical role in procuring uh we talked about the seventy thousand cloth masks uh but also five thousand and ninety five masks fifty thousand gloves gowns and goggles for uh all the people out here at team tinker on the front line so how was it that you were able to to pull that off uh, and make and does that make you feel 
how does it make you feel to know that you played such a critical part in in supporting like that? Yeah. Well, yeah, I have to give it up to our supply folks, really. I mean, a lot of that stuff uh, is straight in the supply wheelhouse, right? So PPE of all types. And, uh, and I really have to give it up to them. I mean, not only um, just leaning forward, but stepping out and making sure that uh, we're looking across the, the entire spectrum, right? right. And, and look at how are we going to procure these items. And so um, kudos to those folks. Um, you know, DLA has been very instrumental in this as well. Um, so, you know, when we talk about getting things on and off the base, uh, at a at a regular, I say regular, at, at a non-depot Air Force base that would typically be an, an LRS function. Right. Uh, but here, but here, and at, at the other sites within uh, AFSC, uh, that's handled by DLA. And so, so you know, I would be remiss if I didn't say you know thank you to DLA for all the work they've done too. And so, uh, the um, the masks uh, that we got from them, of course, those were allocated all across AM, AFMC, and we we had them on order. And I think we had already received, uh, you know, 20,000 or so. And I remember getting an email and it was like, hey, these masks are available. Make sure you put an order in. And, and I was thinking, oh, man, our folks had already leaned forward and we've already got some of these delivered. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you say, how does that make you feel? Uh, you know, I, I love I love when there's a need and when our, our squadron is able to fulfill that need. Right. And so uh, I, I pride myself on that. I think our squadron prides itself on being able to fulfill some type of logistical need uh, that is that is out there, right? So yeah, we, we get the masks, we get the N95 masks, we're prioritizing those based on you know first responders, so our med group folks, our fire department folks, people directly on the front lines, the gloves, the gowns, the goggles, all of that, you know, and making sure that we have it when they need it, um, and, uh, and we continue to do so. So yeah, it, it's been awesome. Um, you know, again, it's it's really not me doing that. It's a whole bunch of people, <laughs> a whole bunch of people behind me making me look like I know what I'm doing most of the time. Right. And uh, so, and that may sound cliche, but it but it really is true. You know, I like to talk a lot about how we are the world's greatest LRS, and and I know that I, I kind of do that and, and laugh about it, but uh, but I really do mean that. You know, um, this has been my favorite job that I've had since I've worked here at Tinker, and and it's because. Uh, of the phenomenal people that we have working that just make it happen. You know, you just say, hey, we need this, and they're already on it, you right. know. Mm-hmm. And all I have to do is just circle back and say, we got it, you know. Well, and it shows. I mean, we, we sit in, in staff meetings and things together and uh, and different things, and it, it shows that you brag about your, your people quite a bit, and I'm sure they really appreciate it. And uh, um, so it's, it's obviously too early to know all of the lessons that we're going to learn from COVID, but what changes do you see in the LRS remaining permanent once we have really gone back to whatever the new norm is going to look like in the future? Yeah. Yeah. That's something we're definitely talking about. Um, I think talking about it across air force, across the DOD is just kind of waters. What are some good things? If you can say that, that have kind of come out of this, right? What are things that we want to continue to do? And, I definitely think the telework uh, thing is huge, and we want to continue to do that. I know that the uh, IT capability has uh, been much more robusted over the last few months, and so the capability is there. I think we should continue to do that. I know we are going to continue to do that in the LRS. Um, 
you know, looking at virtual meetings, first off, just what are, what are meetings that we haven't done over the past three or four months and maybe nobody noticed, <laughs> right? right. Um, maybe, maybe we just kind of got into doing stuff because doing stuff kind of made us feel like we were actually being productive. And so, you know, I just want to take a really an honest look across the squadron and just go, okay, out of the things we can control, what are really the most important things? All right. And then, Virtual meetings, right? So having people call in if possible, um, having them be able to get on the DCO, right? While at the same time, making sure that we're staying connected. Uh, the communication piece, right? It's not just uh, in times of pandemics or times of crisis uh, that we should really be reaching out and seeing how people are doing, right? And right. so that's something I've really taken to heart in the squadron is continuing to do that day in and day out and not letting uh, not letting myself get away from doing, doing that as we get back into normal business. Right. Good stuff. So, and yeah, yeah, supply chain and logistics, definitely, uh, two of the most critical components to any organization and certainly obviously to one as large as an air force base. Um, so with that, Brent, I, I think that's a good place to, to leave it for today. Uh, thanks so much for taking a little bit of time out of your busy day, even though you are uh, mostly alone in your building. <laughs> it's been fun. We've been trying to, just for the listener background, we, we've been trying to connect on this since before COVID. And uh, we just, for yeah. whatever reason, uh, you know, scheduling and, and everything has just hasn't worked out. But uh, And Jillian sends her regards. She's, the of course, the mastermind behind uh, all of this Tinker Talk stuff. Uh, she would, yeah. she wouldn't agree, but she's, she is a critical component to what we're doing here, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she told me she kind of makes it all happen, you know, so, well, that's actually very true. And, uh, just, just <laughs> so to throw her a nice plug, uh, she won the, uh, AFMC audio product of the year. Uh, this Tinker Talks podcast won, uh, the, the Matchcom level, uh, command that's level. Awesome. So yeah, yeah. And showed, yeah, showed very well that. at the air force level. So She's out there making it happen, even though she uh, has to be in her own office at her own house because that's the social distancing that we live in. So (laughs) with that, I'm going to go ahead and and, uh, wrap up again. Thanks a lot for for coming on. And uh, you guys are doing some really, really incredible work and uh, that the base doesn't move without it. So it's greatly appreciated. And so with that, that is going to wrap up another episode of the Tinker Talks podcast. Uh, please make sure to tune in. We come in about every other week. I think we're getting back into a, a normal groove here under the new uh, the new way we do business. Um, but also make sure that you check out uh, our website, tinker.af.mil, and there's a coronavirus, uh, a COVID website uh, embedded within our Tinker website. And you will find, uh, I, I promise you, one of the most robust COVID-19 websites anywhere uh, our team is really hard at work making sure that that thing is updated, uh, and it's updated m- multiple times a day. So if if there's anything that you need to know about the coronavirus, make sure to go there and get that information. But also check us out on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us at Tinker Air Force Base, and of course on Twitter at Team underscore uh, Team Team Tinker underscore Team Tinker. Thank you. <laughs> Too many words to say. So. With that, until next time, uh, you guys all stay safe out there as we get back to normal, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Have a great day and a great week.